0: Chances are pretty good you have an Express Employment Professionals franchise near your home or work. With more than 900 offices in several countries, it's hard to miss this ubiquitous Oklahoma-based business that's placed well over 8 million people in temporary or flex jobs. Bill Stoller, the company's co-founder, chairman, and CEO, knows what it takes to find, acquire, and keep a job or if you're hiring, how to test out talent for fit and competency while satisfying any current budget constraints. Here is the man for the jobs. And my guest today is Bill Stoller, the founder and chairman and CEO of a very uh, successful company, Express Employment Professionals, based in Oklahoma City, but with offices all over the country. In fact, international now, we'll talk about that. So, Bill, welcome to Game Face Execs.
1: Thanks, Rob. It's great to be with you. We good to see you ab- again, We Bill. had a long absence in between our communication, <laughs> but I, I really thank you for uh, reconnecting.
0: Well, you know what? I've always admired uh, and appreciated your business, and frankly, I've been a little envious of how you have grown this business since 1983. I know you've been in the business even longer than that when we, come, when we talk about uh, temporary staffing, but let's let's modernize it a little bit as we get into our discussion here. Uh, you and I are talking in a very unprecedented time economically. And uh, it's certainly different than 1983 or back even in the 70s when you got into this industry. Uh, and, and you have been known to call this primary flexible employment, this type of industry that you're in. And I just wanna ask you just straight away, What's it like being in the employment industry when so many people are unemployed?
1: Well, during this time, it's, really a, it's always been a curse and a blessing. Anytime you have a downturn and there's high unemployment. But this, this downturn has been totally different. Usually, there's kind of a ramp down to the point where you bottom out, where it took about two weeks for everything to bottom out uh, during this time. So as we slowly come out of it, uh, we are experiencing um, certainly high unemployment, but we're also experiencing a huge shortage of of people to fill orders. We have 24,000 jobs Mm. that are unfilled because we can't find the people to fill them right now. So... Uh, it's almost like it was prior when we also had a very difficult time recruiting. And, and, you know, I'm sure some people are afraid to go back to work and I'm sure the unemployment benefits have been really good. And, uh, but I also think that, that people just um, are taking a pause and, and, don't get me wrong, there are still lots of people that want to go to work, and we are putting uh, more and more people back to work every week. But uh, it's still a struggle because there is a demand for, for people to come fill jobs.
0: Well, you, you mentioned a couple of things there. You talked about uh, concern for health and safety. You talked about unemployment benefits may be difficult to you know, turn away from. Uh, If they're available to you when you're not employed, are there any other factors that you can think of right now that cause people to, as you say, take a pause or rethink where they want to go in the workplace? Well,
1: I I also think that uh, the whole issue about George Floyd has changed a lot of attitudes and perspectives. And, and I think black Lives matters. I I think a lot of people are focusing there. And, and again, I think it's a a diverse uh, group of people that are focusing on it. So I I do believe that has that has a lot to do with it. But uh, other than uh, what I have already explained, I I don't think there's too many other reasons uh, other than um, people are Are nesting. They are. They're getting used to staying in their homes. Although, you know, from that standpoint, there are there's a lot of issues about mental health during these times as well. People being uh, locked up in their homes. But that's why I think we're seeing a a second reoccurrence of of the COVID uh, because people are wanting to get out and and they are getting out today. So it's it's going to be just natural, I think, for that second wave to, 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 to be with us. And it'll, I think it'll just go like waves do. You know, you're gonna have a wave here, then a wave's gonna come a couple minutes later and another couple minutes, meaning a couple weeks, and just depending on the timing of, of what's going on around uh, the world.
0: Well, you know, when, when we were thinking about who could be a very uh, interesting, compelling, and helpful guest for our podcast, uh, your name came up very quickly because of the state of affairs that we're in right now as a country and even, you know, throughout the world. So employment is such a hot topic and, and you describe described just, just very quickly why it is so. Um, and you're the expert in employment. As I say, you've been in this industry, what, 40 years or so.
1: Yeah, 40 and, plus. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so when, whenever I have employment questions, I think of Bill Stoller and, So let's go back though, before we talk about the future, let's talk a little bit about the past. As I mentioned, you began the company with two partners in 1983. One of those partners, Bob Funk, is still with you as a partner, a co-founder. He's the president of uh, Express, uh, whereas you're the CEO. You've seen so much change in how industry looks at temporary staffing. So, can you describe kind of the evolution of that industry?
1: Sure, be happy to well you know the the, the whole industry started uh because uh, there were longshore people uh that that had work in in the north during the summer and then they would shift and, and work in the south in the winter and so they literally had a job broker manage uh that for. The, the shipping companies and and then World War II came around and, and you had people who uh, obviously went off to war and you had to have jobs filled and obviously many of the women here uh, filled those jobs. And then following uh, World War II, uh, you you had uh, just a huge surge in the economy and so you needed to, to have people and sometimes those surges were, were temporary. So, companies just decided to uh, start doing just in time. And, and I think that, that has been one of the the big revelations of that, that leadership and and executives have found that, you know, rather than employ somebody for 12 months a year, um, we we could employ for for six months. Uh, But that's also changed as well, where, in the late 80s, because we really got into it in the the early 80s. But towards the late 80s, uh, things really turned around to the standpoint of where most of the lower skilled positions, middle to lower skilled clients, companies really wanted to try somebody out before they committed to them. And so I believe that uh, that has grown just dramatically over time. And you can call that probationary hiring, probationary staffing on, on our end, where you get to you know see how the person works and, and see what their attitude is and see if they fit your culture. And so that, that has been a huge uh, reason why the, the industry has has come around. you know globalization of uh, international companies, uh, you know the markets have, you know when the Berlin Wall fell, to me it just seemed like, uh, all the, the, the trading that went around in, in the world, um, it was just one big trading partner as opposed to you know just producing goods and services for your own country. And that then has caused uh, shifts in demand. So a lot of seasonality. And so seasonality has also created a, a big uh, need for, for temporary staffing. And, and even today during these times, Companies are, are still needing that, but but they truly many of them are looking at uh, just bringing people in and trying them out before they hire. But let me shift a little bit into the higher skilled positions. When you look at projects that companies need to have done, and the uh, IT world, the um, technology world, uh, there they have just projects. Maybe they're they're just now coming up with some software for. For their company, and so they're just going. They're going to hire project people, and the IT world, the technology people, actually really enjoy that because most of them do work uh, virtually, and they're able to do their job from anywhere. So, so the computer age has really brought on a lot uh, into the the technology sector uh, as as well. So, so you're seeing it really in all aspects. Uh, Engineering can be the same way. Uh, when you have construction sites you, you have needs for for engineers uh, for just a temporary period of time so so there's been a huge mind shift in corporate America uh, and small business, so we've been the beneficiaries of of all of that change
0: I would imagine also this shift towards towards telecommuting or virtual work uh, like we're doing right now is also contributing to uh, the realization that, you know what, I don't necessarily have to have a full-time employee and or I don't necessarily have to have a full-time job with one employer. I can mix it up. I can I can shop my services, right?
1: Exactly. And, and that certainly is happening. And of course, uh, millennials uh, really like that. They're used to that. They've uh, certainly grown up with, with uh, electronics and handheld as well as uh, computers and uh, they they love it so uh, yes and I you know just a, a quick story for us is we we used to not allow our uh, temporary associates to work virtually and and that was primarily for worker comp reasons but we've obviously changed and and we now uh, uh, have figured out how to deal with it and how to work with it so we have I, I can't say a large amount but we do have some that have worked virtually.
0: And the other thing that strikes me about what you're saying is that the old traditional, you know, perception of temp workers. And I'm going to, I know that's a, almost a disparaging term, so please forgive me, but I'm hearkening back to traditional terms. Um, it's kind of like, well, I need someone to sit at the front desk for me. Right. Um, I, I need my, my assistant is on vacation or sick for two weeks, so I need someone it is It, it, it covers the gamut doesn't it, as far as the type of uh, temporary associates that a company may hire for all sorts of skill set
1: Oh, it sure does, you know um, but it's changing. Um, uh, let me first go back to uh, how to call somebody who's doing flexible work. you know I don't know about twenty years ago we decided let's let's. Uh, update that and, and maybe give them a better title. And so we call our temporaries associates and and we really like that name and, and we have never heard anything negative about it. Um, so internally we call ourselves teammates. And mm. so that's how we identify us versus our associates. So,
0: and, and it seems that the, uh, that the model has not benefited the employer more than the employee or the employee more than the employer it seems like both sides of the coin are benefiting from this evolution of this industry now
1: that's a very good point because there are some people and quite a few people in fact that do want to control their their time and they don't have uh, to work full time uh, but there's also people that are waiting uh, maybe to go to college in the fall and they just want summertime work. Uh, and some people may be going in the military, you know, six months from now, and they need something to do uh, to, to wait wait out that period. And then there's also uh, the, the person that's coming back to work, and before they uh, really wanna commit to any one company, they like to go around to various companies, and look for the right company to work for. So, it, it benefits both sides because they both get to, to see how each other acts and, and works, and 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 what the culture is, uh, both within the company and what the person's uh, b- beliefs and, and culture are.
0: I, I appreciate all the clarification you're bringing to this conversation already, Bill. Because here's another, I think, misconception, and maybe it's maybe it's my shallowness, but. Historically, I may have thought that someone who turns to a temporary agency for assistance in finding work is someone who might be a little desperate—that they can't—they can't find anything full time, so I just—I need to find a broker, if you will, of jobs who can help me. But the way you're describing it, it makes it sound as though you know what—if you're a, an available talent, an available associate, you could actually use Express as a great way to strategically map out your career. You know, exactly. the ebbs and flows of your life and, uh, and, and important uh, milestones of your life, whether you're having a child or whether you need to care for a relative, whether you wanna get additional education. So am I reading this correctly?
1: Uh, you're absolutely right. And it's just that flexibility that affords both the, the company and the individual and, and I think a lot of it is uh, individuals are, are really uh, looking at their, their lives and, and their balance of uh, life, and, and they're, they're wanting to, to, you know, enjoy both. Uh, but, you know, there's other times, too, such as if, if one uh, family member gets a job in another community, um, and so the trailing uh, spouse um, needs to find a job. And when they do that, uh, we're a great source for them to, to utilize, to, to, again, to look what the market is. And just think about when, when you move to another city, period. So many people don't buy a home. They just rent for a year so, so they can see what part of town that they'd like to live in. And, and really looking for a job is very similar to that.
0: Well, I want to talk a little bit about the, the assistance that uh, Express Employment Professionals gives people who are in any of those kinds of situations. So as we're recording this, you are approaching 900 offices throughout North America, now in Australia, in South Africa. Um, so truly a global company. Uh, but I also want to. I, I want to, if, you, if you'll forgive me, I want to read a couple of things. I think the listener and the viewer needs to know about your business. So, in 2016, I'm just picking some random dates here. But in 2016, just four years ago, uh, Express was named one of Forbes' best franchises to buy. So you are a franchise model. Uh, those 860 some odd offices. Be interesting to know how many of those are are owned by franchisees and how many of those are still owned by corporate. Um, But also more recently, Forbes has ranked you the number five best temp staffing agency and the number 11 best professional recruiting firm. And um, And then another one that I find very interesting is that Entrepreneur Magazine ranked you number one in your category for franchisers. So tremendous successes and obviously industry thinks very highly of the model that you've built. So I, I've got to ask you, Mr. Co-Founder, how did this all come about? What, what's, what's the secret sauce that has made your company so successful over these decades?
1: Well, you, you brought it up uh, early in your question, and that is we are a franchised organization. And for the type of business that we have, which is very personal, It's, it's very relationship-based and there's nothing better than to have an owner of a business in their local market. And I think that is the number one um, reason why we have been able to grow as much as we have. And, and quite frankly, been as successful as we've had. I will also say this, that the founders are also franchisees. Um, And so we, we, treat our offices, which which we started that way. When we all three got together, um, we had disproportionate amount of business. And so the only way that we could could uh, really start a business was to charge ourselves uh, uh, for how many um, paychecks that we provided to people. So if, if somebody had uh, 250, uh, they'd pay uh, a, a portion to get those paychecks to, to the associate. And if somebody had 100, uh, then they would pay for that service. So, so that's how we accumulated money other than lending the company money at the very beginning. Uh, and then we started uh, franchising and getting people. Uh, and, and then obviously we had to get a line of credit. So so that that's how we ended up growing. But, but I also think that we have a unique purpose. And Every one of our franchisees who who captures that the passion uh, and they capture a passion for doing our business because they they also understand what the purpose is and, and our purpose is really to help people find work and and companies to find good people so that that to me is is the, the backbone of who our company is and and I think people that are passionate about what work they do are really passionate because they do have a purpose. And I I just don't think you can become passionate unless, unless you have that true purpose behind you. I, I personally found out it took me a couple of years when I was placing people on jobs because in my day, temporary help was, was not a, a very big business, even though there were companies that specialized in it, but it was, it was those that placed people on jobs full time. And so, the very first time that I put somebody on a job, it sure made me feel good. Um, and then after a while, you know, I just found out, is this what I want to do for my, my life, is, is continue to place people in, in jobs? And then I, I rationalized in my own mind that what more important uh, thing to do than to help people find a job? Because you, what, what can you do without a job? Uh, there's not much you can do. So uh, I, I, I rationalized that the job I was doing was the most important job that someone could ever do. And, and I think we have a lot of franchisees and a lot of their staff that believe the same way. So, so that has really been, I think, the cornerstone along with uh, being 100% franchised.
0: You, you talk about a job and how good it feels to place someone. I know a little bit about that, Bill, just a little bit. For, for over a decade, my business was actually in the uh, training slash placement business where we put people into jobs within our core industry at that time, um, which was the sports industry. We still work a lot in the sports industry, as you know, but we also work with, uh, with uh, more general businesses in a variety of industries, but nothing, nothing brought us more satisfaction than to take someone who was unable to get their foot in the door, uh, either because they didn't have the requisite skills or they didn't have the quote connections, and we would take them and train them up, and then we would give them that opportunity uh, with, our, with our network of clients. And our placement rate was 75, 80% at some, times, at some point, Um, and you know, we used to think that's a lot better than most colleges, not to diss most colleges, but (laughs) we just, we understand what you're saying and it's so gratifying. Um, what is the most important job someone can have when they're out of work? What's the most important thing they can do when they're out of work?
1: Well, I I think they need to start looking for a job because it's not always easy and it's not always quick. Um, And quite frankly, I I always recommend coming to Express and and earning extra money and and look at companies uh, that you might want to work for. So the advice that I've always given somebody, especially coming out of school, I say, you know, don't jump at just the first thing that that you would uh, think is a, a good job. Find a company that is a good company to work for. It doesn't really matter what job you do. It's finding the company, because once you get inside of an organization, your talents and skills will be seen by others, and and then you will quickly get promoted or put into maybe more interesting work. Uh, so I, I just think it's very important for someone to, to when they're out of work, is, is, is to con- try to continue working on, on temporary assignments, and then look at the same time, and then find a company that you really want to work with.
0: So can I drill down into that a little bit with you? When you say find the company that you really want to work for most companies kind of like most resumes look perfect on paper, right? Right. Uh, I've, I've said before, the closest we ever get to perfection is on our resume. Um, Not, and I think there's um, certainly you're supposed to put together a very attractive, appealing resume, but um, that interview is so important to really identify who this person is uh, beyond what they've written. And when I look at a company, I can go on their website, uh, but they're, you know, they look pretty good on the website too. Are there any insights, any tips or, or any secrets even that you can give us? How do you really get to know a company when you're on the outside?
1: Well, uh, work temporary for them <laughs> through Express. Um, well, I, I think you, you've, you've got to get references. And I think you need to find people who, who have worked there and why they're not working there now. And, and I think you need to find out uh, from people that are working there now. Uh, I mean, anybody could go out at 5 o'clock and as people leave their um, place of business, they could always ask them that way. Now, I, I've never heard somebody doing that, but I just think that's, that's about the best way that, that I know of. Uh, And then you can also talk to their competition and see what their competition thinks of, of that organization. Mm -hmm. So um, there, there's, there's ways to, to always look at uh, and discover what a company does. Um, But, you know, today, you know, there's, (laughs) there seems to be rankings for everything and ratings for everything. And so I think people could, uh, could, you know, look up what ratings are. I know in our industry, uh, every, every town, has has ratings of the the best employment companies to 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 work with.
0: That's a that's a really good point. Uh, you know, even where I live, I, I'm happy to tell you that where I'm where I'm living right now, there's an express office about six miles from from me. Uh, in fact, I, I'll bet many of our listeners who may be listening to this in their car. Um, you know, chances are that not very far from where they're driving right now, there's an express office. There may even be one that they've passed already. Um, so let me ask you, though, those candidates that are going into the express office and they're, they're sitting down with one of your advisors, uh, what, are some of the, uh, what are some of the skills that they probably should have or at least work to, work to acquire if they're going to be a really successful candidate?
1: Well, I, I have to say that soft skills are still the most important skills to have. Mm-hmm. You've got to develop yourself. You've got to be knowledgeable. So you, you need to you know, make sure your mind is, is healthy. You need to have the right attitude. Uh, and, and attitude is really, to me, everything. Um, and I, I think you also need to have a, a good appearance. Um, and and it's, it's those sorts of things that, that are very, very important. Now, in terms of what type of true skills somebody wants, you know, they're going to have to find out what they like. So if they took some college, uh, did they like accounting? Um, Or did they like uh, presentations or speech? Or did they like English? Um, Because there's always jobs that that you can do in those areas. And obviously, some just want to be a mechanic. Uh, Some want to be a skilled uh, laborer which, quite frankly, is 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 a wonderful uh, position to be. We, in fact, uh, about a year or two ago, we actually took a survey of, of trade uh, people, and they seemed to be the most happiest workers that you could find. It, we found it was just about 90% enjoyed what they were doing and felt that they were... Con- uh, uh, great contributor to their company, and and they came home satisfied after a day's work. Uh, so you, you just have to find out where your interests are and then go out and, and and get some skills in those areas, and then then you're prepared to go into the workforce. But I'll always come back to attitude and then how you look at life and how positive you are um, is, is the most important thing.
0: Um, do people in this, in this environment, I say this environment, meaning the economy we're in right now, there's a lot of social unrest, there's political uncertainty. Um, should people be faking optimism? Uh, you, you're a wise individual. You have kids and grandkids. What are you telling them right now so that they can have a good attitude about the future?
1: Well, uh, I, I think a lot of people are are really distant from what is going on. Now, when it comes to um, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion, I think a lot more people are are tuned in and and i I believe our youth don't have any any feelings, uh, negative feelings whatsoever. They've grown up in a much more diverse um, life than what you and I've had, uh, but it's, it's just all about, you know, treating everybody fairly, equally, uh, and, and, and quite frankly, positively. So I, I haven't personally seen too much of, the, of, of negative attitudes other than, you know, I, I hear a little bit more fear in, in people because of the, the COVID-19. But uh, other than that, I, and it's maybe just who I work with. I mean, I work with a bunch of great, positive people, and who are just wanting to do what's best for everybody. But uh, I will tell you that I'm a, a big supporter of DEI. I, I have uh, several initiatives that are going on inside our organization. We uh, we had a, a an ad hoc committee that we turned into a a full time a full time committee, and we're going to get our franchisees involved in focus groups and in. In, in a franchise committee to, to give us advice. Um, and we're going to do all we can to, to make sure we recruit uh, and for diversity. And, and I just think that's, that's just the healthy way of doing things. And, and I think it's like most executives, they don't want Me Too people, meaning uh, they act like me. They want people who challenge uh, them. And I know I do. I do I'm not right in everything that I do. So you want people that have diverse ideas and thoughts and, and so forth. So, so that's, uh, that, that's just my take on, on where people
0: are today. It sounds like um, you're undergoing right now uh, even, even greater communication within your organization to understand one another. Uh, you've talked to me in the past about communication and how important you believe that is for any professional in any, in any skill or trade or industry that they may find themselves. Can you share with the audience a little bit about your views on communication? And, and oh, by the way, um, you've also told me in the past that you think that relates very closely to what I'm a champion of in the industry and the skill that, uh, that I work in and that, that being sales, but I don't wanna to give too much away. So what, what, what are your thoughts on communication, Bill, as a professional?
1: Well, I, I don't think there's anything more than an executive needs to, to do is, is communicate to their people. You know, I've certainly learned uh, during this time that the more they hear from me, the, the better off it is for everybody. And they want to hear what we're doing, why we're doing it, et cetera. I remember uh, I, I, I did <clears throat> um, live streaming with, with our people for a couple of years, and I did it about every quarter and then we did it up to six, uh, six times a year. Uh, but I have done probably nearly 20 of them since March 19th. Uh, on March 19th, I, I gave a, a, a live stream to, to all of our people and um, just to let them know what we're doing because we, we literally had to go remote. And so ever since then, we have been communicating I've, I've always had an open-door policy. I, I think I want people to come and talk to me. Um, we have quarterly meetings with, with all of our staff at headquarters, and we have a, a ritual at the end of each meeting. We have, uh, for the previous two weeks, we, we have asked the founders questions. And so people ask us questions, and believe me, they, they, they challenge us. in in many, many areas and quite frankly, some great ideas have come from those questions um, that we were able to implement. So it's not only you communicating, but it's also you listening in these times and and all the time. And I I think that's extremely important. I I truly believe that people who are the ones that ask the questions are the ones that are gonna really get ahead in life as well. Um, And I know from from your standpoint, consultative selling is is extremely important And, and to me, consultative selling is, is, is asking questions and listening to, to what the, the person saying.
0: You know, uh, Express is uh, a company a lot of people love working for. Your headquarters in, in Oklahoma City, um, uh, as it was as we've already mentioned, you have offices everywhere. Uh, your revenue growth, uh, last I checked a couple of years ago, it was about three and three quarter billion dollars in sales. Um, I don't know what it's at today, but obviously um, <laughs> continues to show very impressively. Um, at the, on the other hand, there are a lot of people that don't like where they work. And they, um, you know, there's, there's several studies that have been done and even polls and surveys that suggest those what those reasons might be. In fact, a recent Harris poll, suggested that um, the number one reason why people leave is because they have a better offer. I've also heard competing polls say, uh, and I think you and I have chatted about this in the past, that uh, the reason why people leave is because they don't like their boss. Um, so what are some, if you were if you're advising a company on how to retain good talent, what are some of the things that you could suggest that would make that talent want to stay and want to be a part and grow with that company?
1: Well, I think there's there's quite a few things you can do, but uh, obviously the first thing is is you, you've got to communicate and you've got to listen to those people that are coming in. I, I, I also think it's really important that, that you you have internal training for, for your people. And uh, uh, it's been about... Uh, over a year now, so it's been probably more like 15, 16 months. We, we, we've actually um, developed a, a leadership uh, program for our people, so, and it's all by volunteer if they want to to do it. And so, but we have a, a program that they're able to, to to actually more self-develop and then also learn uh, leadership uh, skills. Um, one thing that we've instituted is is we've actually have our own in-house uh, Toastmasters club. Uh, And I don't know if they're doing it in in these times, but I I wouldn't doubt if they are doing it virtually. Um, And and if they're not, I'm going to (laughs) suggest that make sure that they do, because I think that's something that will will keep people uh, positive.
0: Well, can I just interrupt you there, Bill, and ask you, Toastmasters, for those who may not be aware, uh, it's been around for decades um, nationally and individual chapters all over the world, Uh, but Toastmasters teaches people how to speak. Uh, how to speak comfortably in front of an audience, whether it's a speech or it's q and A. Q&A. Uh, why did Toastmasters become something that was was instituted at Express, and and why do you think that's continuously an important skill for people to learn?
1: Well, uh, <clears throat> I'll go back to to my experience. You know, when I joined uh, the company at, right out of college, it was acne Personnel Service. Um, They had in their manual that if you want to help yourself, here are certain things you can do. Uh, The one I remember the most was join a Toastmasters group and and just become a better communicator and and to to break down any fear you might have speaking in in front of other people. So I did, I joined Toastmasters and and I've actually, over my life, have gone through uh, two Toastmasters uh, um, chapters and 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 I'm sure some of your audience knows some some don't, but they have manuals that you you uh, develop speeches from. And uh, I actually went through I, in both both clubs. I went through both of those, and and so I, uh, uh, you know, just you, you have a goal in front of you, and, and they place it there. And so that's that's why, uh, that's that's really how I got involved. It but it, it's it just is. It's all part of self-development, and and I think, I think that's one of the things that people really need to 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 do as uh, to, for themselves is to constantly self-develop. Uh, I, I remember many of the the books that I used to to read when I was in grade school and high school and college were self-development books. Uh, I just I truly enjoyed uh, reading those because I don't think there's anything more important than you yourself being happy who you are and, and it's your self-esteem and, and your ability to, to really please yourself allows you to help other people because I don't think you can help other people if, if you're not um, happy in your own, in your own body. So, um, and I, and I think that's why I enjoy helping people. Uh, and helping people find work is, or giving people opportunity to own their own business, um, because it just it just gives me joy. Because that that's how I have lived my life, and I just love to see other people uh, be able to experience the same thing. It, one of the things that that I am, am really big about is, is is having a decision made at the lowest level possible. Um, we had a an instance where. We had a franchisee who st- supposedly owed two hundred fifty dollars for something, and and they were adamant they didn't, and our employee was adamant that that they did because that's what the records show. And and so our CFO came to me and he said, "Well, what do you want to do with this?" And I said, "How much wasted time are we going to have arguing over two hundred fifty dollars?" that doesn't matter. Let that person make that decision and say that the franchisee is, is right and let's just go on to the next thing. So it's part of that empowerment that, that I think is very important. And and we've all heard of some of the hospitality organizations around um, the world who, who give their people the power to, to make decisions like that. But I just think that makes it much more important and. Um, to be able to have those decisions made at, at the lowest level possible um, so everyone can can be positive and, and go on to the next thing so so I, I think just giving people responsibility is is extremely important giving somebody the opportunity to lead a project um, so uh, and and I knew I, I grew up that way because I grew up on a farm and, and my father put me in charge of certain projects and cer- certain things and and boy, I learned to be um, a decision maker and learned to be independent and, and have some autonomy and, and, and him not over my uh, shoulder all the time. And so I, I, I just think that's very, very important as well. Um, but I, I think everybody sets an example for somebody. And, and I believe that everybody is a mentor to somebody, um, to everybody, quite frankly, because no matter where you are, people look at you And if if you're the center of attention in way, one way, shape, or form, boy, they're, they're, they're looking at you and studying you. So, so I think you always have to to just believe that somebody is, is constantly monitoring who you are. And, and I think within an organization, I think uh, that employee needs to take that responsibility on as well. So, uh, so it it certainly does come back to self-discipline and, and, and I think that's another big trait that people need to to have, so uh, again, I think an organization needs to be able to offer an expression of how people want to to work and and take on responsibility and and be responsible so so that's that's how I think organizations can do a better job
0: uh, Bill, I want to stay on this track of maybe where we can all make improvements. Uh, Let's start with the candidate who's interviewing for a job. Uh, you've, I think you've placed, what, 8 million people in jobs? Over, over,
1: the, over the lifespan of our company, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's an incredible number. It's almost know, a half
1: a million, it's about a half a million a year now.
0: Oh, wow. So you, you don't know about every one of those cases, I know. You can't keep track of all of them, but is there a... Is there a common mistake that people interviewing for a job typically make that you wish you could correct before they even make that mistake?
1: Well, uh, you're talking about the interviewee. Yes. Well, sure. I, I, there's there's certain things. You know, they, they just need to be prepared. Um, it'd be nice to know if they know anything about the company before they come in. It'd be nice if they knew anything about their boss. And and today on whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn, uh, you can find out a lot of things about people. And, and I, you know, a lot of people do that. And, and I, I've been impressed with, with what they've done, at least the people that I, uh, uh have come into touch with, but, um, uh, but then, then they, uh, they have to ask the right questions and the right questions is, is not necessarily what are the right be- What kind of benefits do you have for me? Um, uh, you know, what, what can you do for me? You know, I, for the most part, uh, you need to have a, a, a balanced interview. And, and I think you need to come up with a couple, three questions um, to, to really ask uh, the interview or to uh, when you uh, are preparing. But, your, you know, your attitude also comes up. And, and I think uh, you, you've got to display that positive attitude and, and a, a go-to attitude and, and somebody willing to, to go to work. So, um, you know, I think that interviewing and looking for a job is the toughest job there is, um, but you, you talked about it earlier about communication. Uh, when We talked about sales. Uh, I, think, I think everybody's a salesperson because just going through a job interview to me is, you, is you're selling yourself, and so you need to know who you are, and you need to know what your tra- positive traits are and what your negative traits are. And, and don't be afraid to communicate those. And, and so it's all part about uh, selling yourself to the, to the company.
0: So let's, uh, let's switch seats now. What's the biggest mistake you see hiring managers, the interviewer, uh, will make that may sabotage their ability to get a really good candidate who's sitting across the desk for them right now?
1: Well, once again, I don't think they, if they're not prepared, then that's not going to be good. And, and I think they also have to sell themselves and sell the company to the person. Um, so it, it's really a two-way street from that standpoint. I think they need to ask intelligent questions. Uh, I, I think that they, they also then need to listen. I, I've always liked using open-ended questions. And, and letting the person speak for a minute or two instead of just yes and no answers. Uh, and I do know that there are times, and, and I can be at fault at this too, is too many times you want to answer the question for them, and sometimes you do. Um, and so you just have to be patient and and let the, the person uh, explain where they're coming from. And sometimes, you, you know, the first impression is is typically um, uh, the lasting impression, and and I've I've told many interviewers in the past. I say, you know, allot the same amount of time to to each interview because first impression may not be the right impression. So I, I really said, if, if you're going to take forty five minutes for the interview give everybody that 45 minutes because you will discover more as time goes on. And, and I have found this out that, you know, sometimes a person's very quiet when they, they, they start an interview. And then when you get warmed up, then they, they, they really are much more expressive. And and if you didn't uh, give it that time for, for them to warm up, uh, it, they never would have happened. So, uh, so just uh, making the person comfortable. I think uh, is the most important thing uh, as well. And, and obviously, if, if you can do it between two chairs, you know, that's also the best way to do it. So there isn't that barrier between you and they. They And, and you know intimidation can be a big thing in an interview and you don't want to intimidate the, the person that you're interviewing. So I think those are just a, uh, a few of the areas that I think a, a person interviewing someone else can, can do better at.
0: So you're uh, you're really suggesting that the interviewer has to remember that they're recruiting somebody and you were, you were a collegiate basketball player. Uh, that's why we, uh, we provide a little bit of basketball behind me today, you know, paying homage to your collegiate career, Bill.
1: D- um, division three. So,
0: <laughs> but still, aren't you in the hall of fame? At uh, that university.
1: Well, I'm, I am in, in a couple. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, okay. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. And, I, and you're also a, a great contributor uh, to Pacific University. Let's just call it uh, what it is. So I know you're a, you're a huge supporter and contributor to that university even today. But getting I mean, back I'll from-
1: also say this. I went to a junior college first. And oh. uh, it was lo- Lower Columbia College in, in, in Longview, Washington. But, but I, I also think that's a great way to go for people. Um because I, I did it for my basketball career because I didn't want to commit to a four-year school. But uh I but going through junior college was was one of uh the best things I did. And and that's the one I I'll refer to. I'm in the, the hall of fame there. And I, I was blessed and honored to 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 be admitted in the hall of fame
0: but they they recruited you and they do today. Um, That's what universities and their athletic programs are so well known for is the recruitment of athletes. And it's funny that sometimes in business, we don't really take that same attitude. We almost take the attitude of, you're lucky I'm interviewing you today. Um, And I am blessing you with my presence, allowing you into my conference room or my office. That's the kind of the, the vibe they give to a candidate and granted, they're in a position of power and they're in a position where they're already successful. They have the job they want and this person doesn't. So it's, it's easy to kind of act a little bit full of yourself and, and, um, and a little more superior. But I think what you're describing is you have to put that person at ease and you need to let them know that we want you. We want the best candidate and we hope, we hope that you're that person. Mm-hmm. Exactly, So well, well said. <laughs> well um, now i I want to also ask you because you you mentioned earlier you have you have helped people who want to become business owners uh, as a franchiser. you have many franchisees, and so you have made people 's dreams come true who can invest in a in an express franchise, and now they 're a business owner, but not everybody 's cut out for that not everyone 's cut out to be a business owner or to be a franchisee, whether it 's an express or McDonald's, or Taco Bell, or whatever a situation may be. So what advice do you give to people who are contemplating making such a career move? What are some some traps they need to avoid? And also perhaps what are some some highs that maybe they cannot yet see, but that are out there for them if they're successful?
1: Wow, that's a that's not only a loaded question, but it could, we could spend a day on, on, on just sure. one alone. <laughs> sure. um, well, you know, I, I had no intention myself of starting my own business, but it was just the uh, downfall of the company that I was working with uh, when they ran into financial trouble. So, so sometimes uh, what's adversity to somebody else and, and even yourself? you know, changes your whole life. And, and so you, you decided, did I want to start my own business or did I wanna continue with the company because I was gonna buy the office? And, and so I, I decided to buy the office and then three months later they, they, they went under, if you will, uh, from a bankruptcy. So, you know, I, I, think, I think you gotta go back into your childhood and your growing up period Uh, did you like being a leader? Were you a leader? And if you were a leader, um, that's one indication. Um, did you like taking risks uh, and, 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 and doing things on, on a job, um, that was somewhat risk-taking? Now, I I don't mean physical risk, but I mean a decision-making risk on what, what direction to go with, with a decision and, and then a program. Um, I also think that, um, if, if you're relatively independent uh, and you, you have worked autonomously, um, you know, again, I, I think my father was the best person for me uh, in teaching me at a very young age. Uh, I mentioned it earlier that he'd give me responsibility and then I went out and did it. Um, another, I think, important trait is, are you proactive? Um, are you always looking for something to do uh, that's better? or you're looking for another way of, 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 of tackling a, a something. Um, and then, of course, there, there also becomes financial things <laughs> that are involved. Uh, I, I, think, I think you gotta be a wise spender and, and you've gotta save uh, and for the rainy day, but you also gotta save if you wanna buy a business. Um, and and you know I, I just think there's all sorts of things that you've learned about yourself. Um, and, and, and we're not perfect. You know, we select people that, that aren't right for our business, and we select people that uh, they, they just aren't able to, to do the types of things that a business owner must do. Uh, time management is very important. Uh, are you a good time manager? Do you prioritize well? Um, but, you know, one of the things that I would also suggest is that there are business brokers out there. And I think business brokers can be a big help to you um, when, if you're thinking about getting into uh, a franchise or buying a business or whatever it might be, but, but I, you know, you're right. Not everybody's cut out to be And and for the most part. Um, I, I think those that work for real large organizations that have a very um, broad job that that doesn't really give them a a definite skill. I I just I'm not certain if that's the the right person. Sometimes being too corporate, sometimes not being the doer, uh, especially in our business. I think we we're not an absentee absentee owner business. You've got to be in there every day and you've got to uh, when you get started, you've got to actually do the work itself. Um, You have to be in the business. And then once you become once you grow enough and, and you have enough business, uh, then then you really manage the business and you're on the business instead of directly in it. And and that's when you become a sales leader. And I think that's extremely important uh, as well. And, and you've got to enjoy managing people and you've got to enjoy inspiring people. So if, if you like doing those things, um, you know, then owning a, an express franchise or even a McDonald's franchise is the right way to go.
0: So let me ask you, as you know, Bill, uh, this podcast um, is built around the idea that we like to talk to people who know how to persuade, who know how to influence and inspire people and or who have been persuaded and influenced and inspired to do good uh, in business, um, in their communities. I'm wondering in your career, is, is there an individual or is there an incident that stands out where, where someone inspired you, where someone really motivated you to, to take a particular measure or a step, take a risk perhaps. Uh, and I'll even give you this, Bill, um, I'm sure that you're involved in that every day with your leadership team with your franchisees. Just in general, how, how, does, how do those words resonate with you? To persuade, influence, and inspire.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think that's what leadership is all about. Uh, I think those three words are what every leader should consider and, and understand uh, as they lead their organization. I do think that it's it's just important for people to to understand that you just you just can't be afraid uh, to do what you might want to do. Um, And, and, and I think if you really look back at a lot of experiences in your life or people that have influenced you, I think you take snippets of each one of those. Uh, You know, when I first interviewed to go to work for ACME, that was the last thing I ever, I never thought about going to work for an employment agency. And, and, and I had just taken a uh, a personnel class in college and they forewarned you about going through an employment agency. Uh, at least the book did and, and the professor. Um, and so I was really hesitant, but, but the, but when I interviewed with, uh, my eventual supervisor, he, he gave me a vision an, an opportunity. And I really think that's, that's really important is, is people need to have that vision. Um, Put out there in front of them Uh, certainly the the president of that company um, was an inspiring person he was very persuading uh, but in a great way Um, and and, you know you you just have to treat people the way you want to be treated and and when I looked upon looked at him um, he he, he's the one that said you want to join toastmasters and if you want to do secondary education you know know get an mba or whatever and so you know when somebody says those things i i went out and did them and so i went out and and got my mba Uh, it was just that, that vision that people put forth for you so i um i think there's all sorts of people that that persuade you but you have to accept what they're trying to message to you and and so I think it's the receiver is the one that needs to, um, take action to themselves. So, um, but with, without mentors, without people that you, um, that give you some direction, um, why, um, you know, you know, why continue? And you might as well just take people's advice and, and what you think you can do within it. And, and, and I think you'll make a success of yourself.
0: I love that answer. And, um, I want to ask you one more question, if we could, before we wrap up. Uh, you're, in the, you're in the job world. Um, you're, you're, your whole career has been built around helping people find work uh, and sustaining themselves and their families. And I just want to ask you, what's the value of a job in your, in your view to an individual? What does a job mean to somebody? And, and what does it mean when someone doesn't have a job?
1: Wow, um, this is uh, another one of my um, topics I love. Um, uh, to me, a job is everything. You know, if, if you go through um, what, and I don't know all of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but, but you know self-actualization is one of them. And you know, it gives you self-worth a job and everything to me relates to the to the job um and and you you just you need to have that you know security is is another one um you know love and security you've got to have those and i think a job allows you to to have that and um you know i i i've always loved work and and probably to a fault at times but when you do what you're passionate about, it's it's absolutely uh, not work. Um, and, and and in some game, in some ways, when you're in the sales business, uh, it's also competitive. And and that's why I think having a competitive background has, has certainly helped me, um, as well as yourself. Um, and and it's just so important. So, uh, like I said earlier, you know, if you can't be happy with yourself you you can't help other people and and so I think a job a job is everything Uh, what can you do without a job and and um you know I I just totally believe that uh being happy on a job is is makes you happy everywhere and and you just have to find that and you got to find out what you're what you're passionate about and then go out and do it doesn't mean that you can't change every five years um uh, because of, of whatever circumstances, but you know, I've 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 interviewed once for a job, and that's all I've ever done in my life, um, and and I've uh, just never had to go elsewhere to to find a living. Um, I certainly have, from a business standpoint, um, started other businesses and <clears throat> still have other things going on at the present time. But um, but it's but it's all. Being with people, working with people, helping people and 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 seeing how people grow and seeing people develop, you know, that that's gotta be a huge motivator in, in somebody's life. And it's been a big one in mine. And I'm just very happy that I've had that opportunity and, and I expect to have many, many, many more years of of, of having that, those opportunities.
0: Uh, it would benefit all of us if you did, Bill. So keep at it. Um, I just want to say one thing about your comment, if I may, and that is uh, we have some people listening or watching that don 't have a job where they actually punch in punch out get a, a you know get a um a paycheck every two weeks, but they have a responsibility right It could be for as I mentioned earlier, caring for a sick relative or raising a family, and so would you agree with me that having a job really means having a responsibility?
1: Absolutely. I I actually think one of the the better um, jobs in the world is is, is raising a family. I, I truly believe those that can that have devoted their lives to doing that uh, are the most successful people in the world. I, I rank them higher than than anybody in in my mind. And you know, people that really help. Uh, other people, no matter what they do, is extremely important. But uh, yes, I, I absolutely totally agree with you.
0: That's awesome. Well, Bill, this has been a, a great hour. Thank you for uh, thank you for sharing with us about about Express and what's made it so successful, uh, and then also your personal thoughts and, as I said earlier, your tidbits of wisdom, um, which have been built up over decades of leadership. And success. So, uh, this has been very interesting and fulfilling for me. I'm sure for our audience as well. And we at Game Face just wish you and Express and your 860 plus stores or offices around the world, your associates, your franchisees, your leadership team. We wish them all continued success. Thank you very much. Thanks for being a part of this episode of Game Face Execs. If you found any of it useful or helpful, please rate or like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I always appreciate you referring us to others as well. I'll see you next week. Until then, persuade, influence, inspire.